You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. I've gotten into a very strange habit on Sunday morning of getting up before I come to my office and I've been driving around the entire belt of the city and just praying over the city. And I don't say that as any kind of patting myself on the back. Um, it's just been something the Lord has put in my heart to do. And a really interesting thing has happened to me. I've actually fallen in love with prayer again. I, I, I've, I've fallen in love with prayer again because I had fallen out of love with praying. Like if somebody said, hey, we should pray about that, I would say, you could do that. I'm going to get on my iPhone, right? So who knows what I'm talking about? Like, it's real. But I, uh, I have a friend. He pastors a church in Chicago, Illinois. And I was listening to a message that he uh, preached recently. And he did something so simple. And I thought it was just so wonderful. Could we just take a minute and pray for our city together before we come to the word of God this morning? Let's just do that. Why don't you stand just real quick. Let's just stand together as just a point of agreement. And, and just agree with me right now. I mean, if you want to stretch out your hands or whatever, if you want to speak in tongues, whatever you want to do, you want to pray your own prayer while I'm praying this prayer. But listen, y'all, we're going to be talking about something. We're going to be talking about the power of the gospel this morning. The, the thing is this. We actually are counting on the power of the gospel to save our city. That's the thing that we're relying on. And part of our agreement with heaven, part of our following after the Lord Jesus Christ is entering into the, the ministry of prayer. And the thing about prayer is it's not very powerful. It's not, it's not on the, on just the outward way of looking at it. It seems very weak. It seems in some ways very foolish, but if you haven't figured this out yet, the way of Jesus is more foolish than wise according to the ways of the world. So when you are entering into the ministry of prayer, you are actually doing something. The devil actually wants you to think that prayer is hopeless and meaningless and doesn't do a whole lot. But what we're about to do right now together is very meaningful. Amen? Jesus We submit ourselves to you this morning. We submit ourselves under the authority of your word. And God, we thank you that even this morning, you're leading us to green pastures and beside still waters, Father. And we thank you that you have chosen us. You have called us out of darkness into your marvelous light, not just for the benefit of us individually and for our families, but for the benefit of our city. And Jesus, we ask that you would cause the flame in our hearts to burn brighter so that we may be a walking testimony to the worlds that we inhabit, to the worlds that we dwell in, in our day in and day out lives. Father, we pray right now for your blessing to descend upon the Queen City this morning. God, we thank you that this is a city of peace, that this is a city of righteousness. This is a city where your justice prevails. Lord, we ask you where every injustice has remained hidden. God, we ask you to come with your spirit and make things right. God, for those who are in need of mercy this morning, we ask you that we would be carriers of your mercy and truth to those that need it this morning. Father, we ask you for your peace 
to reign in this city. Lord, in every household that's represented here, we ask for your peace to reign. And Lord, like never before, we ask you for a renewal of your spirit to come to the body of Christ, that she might burn brightly for the sake of your kingdom. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Um, if, you, if you're taking notes, I actually have a title for my message this morning. I don't, I, I have a really hard time coming up with, with titles, but, uh, this one came to me while I was driving yesterday, but I'm calling this a renewed vision for the gospel. And the first thing I want to do is if you have your Bibles, I want to read in the book of Corinthians. Uh, if you, in, in the first chapter of Corinthians, Paul, He's actually in the city of Ephesus, and he's writing this to the church at Corinth. In in verse 18, or starting in 17, in chapter 1, he says this, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, It pleased God. It gave God pleasure that through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. For the Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Let me tell you, this passage of scripture should give every preacher who has ever preached or is going to preach a whole lot of hope. Because what Paul is saying here is not very much depends upon the eloquence of words. Not very much depends on how much the preacher knows or if he has a high level of intellect. There's something about the simple message of the man, Jesus Christ, being hung on a cross and resurrected that has a power embedded in it that we cannot even imagine. But if you're like me and you've heard that story so many times, it begins to lose what it's capable of in our own lives. Amy and I, uh, we've been on a little journey. Well, we're always on a journey, but the latest chapter of our journey goes something like this. Uh, one afternoon recently, we were, we were in our bedroom and we were, we were talking and the Lord 
was dealing with each of us on some certain issues in our lives. And we began to say back and forth how powerless that we felt to serve God. We were each saying how, man, when I really take stock of who I am as a person, I don't think I have what it takes to do anything for God. And what was so funny is we were each saying this, but when one person would say it, the other person would say, amen, you're right. You don't really have it in you. But but there wasn't any offense happening there. We were just kind of have this moment where reality was setting in. When we really took stock of who we were, we could honestly say that it wasn't resident within us to do anything for God. And we just had the most amazing miracle happen right when we were sitting there talking to each other. My iPhone buzzes and I get a text message from this man named Jared Boyd. Jared lives in Columbus, Ohio. We're more like acquaintances than friends, but he's kind of a prayerful guy. And he sends me this text message and he says this, Andy, I've been thinking about you and Amy today. And I've been praying for a soft heart towards the Lord and a widening of your shoulders for more weight. I feel like the Lord is saying, embrace the weakness of your hands. The work ahead is humble, but your shoulders are going to get wide. I mean, I'm telling you what. Uh, I read those words out loud and Amy began to weep and I began to weep because the things that we were thinking were counting us out were the things that were counting us in. The things that we were thinking were going to repel us from the work of Christ were actually the invitation into it. It's such a strange thing, this following Jesus. Because the thing that you have to get better at is following your weakness, leaning into your weakness, leaning into the fact that you might not have all the right words to say at all the right times when you're walking through this world, when people know you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus and your your mind is not up to speed with keeping track of the world of politics and the world of religion and the world of social media and the world of news outlets. And like there's this massive, massive complexity out there and you're just walking along through the world, kicking rocks, dumb is dirt and you don't feel like you have anything within you that can match the level of handling that complexity and Jesus is saying to you lean into your weakness because it's in that weakness that I do my best work and in that weakness I have overcome the world If you ever feel like you've been depleted in your physical body, in your mental capacity, in your heart, that's the place that the spirit does his best work. That's why we shy away from so much of what Jesus has to say, because the thing that he's beckoning us into is actually an embrace of our ignorance, our foolishness, the things that we cannot do and our weakness. 
hopefully that's making sense to you this morning. The other thing that I was thinking about today was how powerful is the spirit of prophecy operating in our lives? This brother was 400 miles away and he was praying and he got something from the Lord and he gave us that word and it just, it created, it created life in our hearts. It gave us strength. It gave us direction. It was giving us permission. It was giving us permission to be Christians. <laughs> Isn't that funny that you sometimes need somebody to give you permission to be a Christian? You need somebody to tell you that it's okay if you look like an idiot when you're following Jesus. That that's the call. That's why we have to gather together. Because we need each other to tell each other, you're doing great. You're doing great. Everything that you're doing, just keep on following the Lord. I know you feel like this is not working out, but it is working out. And I just got this, I got this sense from the Lord recently that this church, Queen City, Queen City Church has a heritage of the spirit of prophecy. We believe in the prophetic word. We believe in the, the prophetic word in operation when believers pray for one another and they get words of encouragement for each other. So you might want to start praying for people and asking the Lord to give you words for them. Because you know that feeling that you need or that, that feeling that you feel where you're, you're so discouraged in your life that you just wish somebody would come along and tell you something good? You need to be that for somebody. That's what we're called to. We are literally called to each other to speak these words of life that the Lord wants to give us. And it's so good when we get those words, isn't it? Like for me and Amy, that was just like an injection of life, you know? And, and I have words that I've received that have carried me over years. Like there's different kinds of words that come. But then I've also had words like that word was like a, that was daily bread for me. I'm not going to be able to live on that word for the rest of my life. But man, for that day, that week or this season, it was just perfect. So I'm just encouraging y'all, stir the gift of prophecy up within yourself and ask the Lord to give you words for your friends and family and coworkers and neighbors. I mean, there's, that's almost one of the most effective ways to introduce people into the story of Jesus is to pray for them. Give them a word. Prophetic words, they keep us encouraged and they give us faith and they give us strength and they give us direction and the Lord. So like I was saying, Amy and I have been rediscovering the power and the foolishness of the gospel. So here's what I want to start out with. Many of us have been diminished on some level in our lives. Our hearts and minds have taken some serious hits. And right now, I mean, do you know what I'm talking about? Like, this has been a crazy year. And there's been so much that has attacked people. I'm not just talking about the body of Christ and Christians. I'm talking about humanity in general. The devil is doing some of his most strategic work right now. Trying to take people out. 
But I'm not just talking about this year. I'm talking about over the course of your life. If you have lived any life at all, you've taken some hits. You've experienced some losses. There has been some uh, loss of love maybe in your heart for the Lord and the things of the Lord. And I want to say to you that it's totally understandable. It's actually impossible to go through this life without experiencing some level of being diminished. If you live life long enough, you are going to experience some loss. You are going to take some hits. And when that happens to you, when that happens to us, a lot of times we lose a piece of ourselves. We lose a piece of our heart. Or we go into a mode where we can't handle any more pain So we begin to build a wall over our heart or scar tissue begins to form or, or dust begins to settle on our brains, on our minds. We, we wake up one day and it's like we're in a haze. We don't quite hear the gospel the way we once heard it. When somebody starts talking about Jesus, it's a little less relatable. The Bible talks about returning to your first love. I think for many of us, we go through life and we experience loss and our first love gets diminished. But I am so thankful that we are in a moment right now where the Holy Spirit is helping people with their diminished hearts. The Lord is speaking to us today because he wants to reawaken our hearts towards him. The things that we've lost, he is going to accelerate us into. The things that you can't get to on your own, the spirit of God has a way of getting to you to that thing. So so hear me when I say you may be diminished in this moment, but it's not up to you to fix yourself. The Holy Spirit is available and present to bring us to the place that we need to be. I want to read this other scripture to you. Well, let me, let me first take you here. Mark chapter 8. There, there are several verses in the Old Testament and the New Testament that talks about having eyes but not being able to see. Or having ears and not being able to hear. A lot of times what happens to us is we get diminished, we, we experience loss, we experience heartache, we experience disappointment, and we tend to get hard hearts because of those things. And Jesus talks about this in, in Mark chapter 8. He says, do you have such hard hearts? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? Oh, do you not remember? Do you not remember the things that I have already done? He's speaking to his disciples in this passage. So 
Amy and I have been married for 26 years. I know I don't look old enough to be married for 26 years. My, my daughter, Olivia, is shaking her head at me. She's like, you definitely look old enough. But we've been married for 26 years. And, and here's the thing. We are not who we were. I am not married to the 20-year-old woman that I married 26 years ago. And she's not married to the 20-year-old boy that she married 26 years ago. We've got some mileage on the old tires. It's interesting. The thing about marriage is, and I've heard this from other people too, is like, if you stay with somebody for 50 or 60 years through the course of your adult life, you actually end up being married to a few different people. Yeah, it's true. I, Amy and I have discovered this. We're working on our third decade, but, but we are truly different people than we were. I mean, in some ways, we're totally different. But, but the, the truth is that we're really the same. In, in, our, in, our, in our heart of our being, we're really the same. She's still the same person that I fell in love with all those years ago. But something does happen when you've been with somebody for a really long time. Have you ever heard of that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt? Yeah. Something happens. You, you live life with somebody for long enough that you stop being able to see them. It's like familiarity doesn't just breed contempt. It creates or it forms blindness over our eyes. And what we've had to do is we've had to work backwards and rediscover our love for each other again. We, we, you, you can't shift your relational life with your spouse into neutral and just expect everything to be hunky-dory all the time. You actually must invest in your relationship. Am I right? If you want to have a good marriage, you must invest in your relationship. But that's true of all relationships. If you want to have healthy relationships, you can't shift it into neutral. You will actually have to do something about it to make it good, Right? If you hurt somebody, you need to go and repent and ask for forgiveness. If you've been doing the wrong thing, you need to make amends and stop doing the wrong thing. You need to cultivate ways to enjoy the person that you're in relationship. All of those things factor into having a good relationship with somebody. But it is still very possible to over time Take for granted the person that you once considered precious and wonderful. And a blindness sets in on your eyes and you stop seeing who that person really is. I would say that the same thing is true about our walk with the Lord. If you've been walking with the Lord for any amount of time, if you've been uh, uh, going to church your entire life, if you were following Jesus in your young years and you found yourself a little bit down the road, not quite as excited about the gospel as you were when you first heard it, it could be that you have grown too familiar with it. And you need to begin to look again. You need to begin to reinvestigate what it means to be in relationship with the Lord. Is anybody with me this morning? (sighs) 
So if you're like me, maybe life has taken a hard toll on your heart. Maybe you've lost some heart. Maybe it's not just this crazy year that has caused you pain, but the accumulation of so many disappointments in your heart. And through that, you've grown hard-hearted. And in your hard-heartedness, you haven't been able to see Jesus lately. And when somebody says the words, the gospel or the good news of Jesus, those words fall on deaf ears. They no longer get you excited. They, you no longer see the gospel as the thing that actually can save the world. You no longer have a zeal in your heart for sharing the story of Jesus with other people. But I want to tell you this, church. Jesus is still good news today. The gospel is still the power of God that is saving us. I love it. Jesus says this in Luke 4, and I just want to remind you of this. If he, You know, we use that word gospel. It's, it can be a little bit confusing at times, but really it just means good news. And this is the thing that Jesus came for. And, and it, it looks something like this. Jesus is in the synagogue with all of his friends and the Pharisees and scribes. And he opens up the scroll of Isaiah and he says this. I'm here to preach the good news to the poor. I'm here to heal the brokenhearted. I'm here to proclaim liberty to the captives. I'm here to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. I'm here to set free those who have been oppressed and to announce that this year is the year of the Lord's favor. What was true then is still true now. And to be honest, this year has forced me, me and my wife and my, my kids, we're taking inventory of our lives. This is what I've been asking myself. Andy, what do you even believe? You know, I think there's been such a swirl of philosophy and theology and deconstruction and, and just crazy amounts of information flying through the airwaves that I... I was trying to keep up with the speed of that, but I recognized somewhere along the line that that was just a ploy to keep me off the main thing. I re recognized, I had to admit to myself that I wasn't smart enough to keep up with all of the latest fads in all of those arenas. I recognized that I, in my weakness, could only hang my hat on one thing, and it is the gospel of Christ Jesus. What could I, what do I believe? What could I possibly offer to the world in this moment? Is the power of the gospel actually sufficient for the day that we live in? I realized on some level that I had stopped believing in the gospel as good news for today. I was looking for other fads and other things to help the world because there's a lot of voices that are out there saying this. But I noticed an interesting reality that as I chased all of these other mindsets, all of these other philosophies and thought processes, I became very dry in my soul. I became very thirsty in myself. I realized that the more I drank from the well of my own intelligence and, and arrogance, the thirstier and thirstier for life I became. 
I mean, the scandal of the gospel is this, that Jesus said, believe in me, period. You know, when Paul is writing to the Corinthians, there's this section that happens right after the portion that I just read. There's all these believers in Corinth and they're arguing with each other and they're saying, I'm of Paul, I'm of Peter, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Christ. There's all these divisions because what was going on in the city of Corinth is that there were these people called sophists. They were very smart philosophers. And in that day, a sophist would come to town and people would gather in the public square. They would hear the wisdom of the age and then they would begin to adhere to that wisdom. And as those certain sophists came into town, people would faction off from each other and they would say, I'm hanging my hat on this or I'm hanging my hat on this or I'm hanging my hat on this. And there were all kinds of arguing, arguing going on. Does that remind you of anything? Let me plead with you. Do not argue on Facebook about anything. Do not. Let me set you free for a minute. Let me free you from your ministry of setting people right on Facebook. You have an invitation from the Holy Ghost to hang your hat. On the gospel in Luke chapter 4, I have come to set free the oppressed. I have come to preach the recovery of sight to the blind. I have come to declare that this is the favorable year of the Lord. That is all you're responsible for, church. Don't let anybody talk you out of that. And when somebody tells you that it's stupid to just believe Jesus, you can go ahead and just agree with them. You know what Jesus said? When your adversary comes with you with an accusation, agree with them quickly. He did not say when, it, when it, your adversary comes to you to try to talk you out of what you think or to, to accuse you of something stupid that you think. Or He said the only Christian response is to agree with your accuser. Because if you're wrong, then you just get to repent and confess and make things right with the world. And if you're right, it doesn't matter. And you get to choose the lower path, the humble path. And you get to take the beating. You get to take the slap in the cheek. You get to not argue. You get to look like a fool in front of the whole world. And that is your ministry. Your ministry is not being the smartest person on the planet. Your ministry is not having all the answers. Your ministry is not being able to debate anybody about anything. Your ministry is that you are a flame burning for the Lord. And you're walking through this world just helping the poor, helping the sick, helping the blind, helping the downcast, the oppressed, those in prison, those in jail, people in need on every level. The world is filled with folks that need the life-giving water that is flowing out of your belly and we're wasting our lives arguing about politics politics i don't care what camp you're in will not save this world this morning the lord is setting us free from the responsibility of having to make the right call when it comes to politics. And he's inviting us in to the life-giving, robust life of the Spirit. 
Actually, you were hardwired to live a life of faith. Did you ever, did you ever have the thought that I can't do this whole faith thing? Faith is for super spiritual people. Faith is for people who pray all the time. That's not true. You are, you are a chip off the old block. The, the cloth that you're cut from means that faith and walking by faith is actually in your very DNA. You don't have to convince yourself to walk by faith. It's who God made you to be. You know, I, I was thinking about this today or this, this week. I believed in God even before I believed in God. That thing, that story, that gospel story was embedded in my DNA before I was even out of my mother's womb. I was hoping that the gospel was true even before the, the gospel words had ever laid, laid on my ears. And, and it, here's another myth that I want to dispel, that it's really hard to bring people into the saving faith of believing in Jesus Christ. It's not hard. It's not hard. All you have to do is tell people the, the world is filled with people who already believe in God, even though they don't believe in God. The world is full of people who are hoping that the gospel of Jesus Christ is true and real. And they haven't even heard this, those words yet. They're just waiting for you to walk past them and tell them that story. And I, I'm, I'm not saying you have to pass out tracks. I'm not saying you have to become a weird, obnoxious Christian, although you may very well want to be. I'm just saying you don't have to be that. You can invite people into the story of Jesus all of the time. Oh, shoot, I've gone over. I'm so sorry. Let me just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just wrap this up. So there's, there's, there's quite a few things that will get you off track from following the Lord. Okay, here's the things. The cares of the world, the pleasures of the world, self-pride and arrogance, believing that your own thoughts are greater than the words of Jesus. So I want you to be encouraged today, y'all. We are weak, but God has chosen us. And his gospel is strange, but you can count on it to save the world. You can count on the gospel to save the world. Let me say that again. You can count on the gospel to save the world. Maybe you haven't been persuaded of that as of late, but now today you are. The good news that God's kingdom has come and is coming is sufficient for the day. And you can rely on the foolishness of the good news. Amen. That's all I got, Pastor. That was very good, wasn't it? I realized years ago that I wasn't, I wasn't the smartest guy in the room. I mean, I've got plenty of sense. I'm not putting myself down, but Paul talks about the cunning craftiness of those who lie in wait to deceive and so much going on. I, I chose early on as my sort of guiding doctrinal statement, really the Apostles' Creed, something tried and true and proven for generations that go all the way back to the 
historic apostles. And so, great word, Andy. I, I appreciated that. Um, I think in some ways receiving communion is such a sort of a humbling, simple act. And yet, I think it's, um, I think it's mysterious, too. There's a little bit of a mystery. Maybe there's a huge mystery, but there's at least a little bit of the mystery. Different people have different ideas, different opinions. But I would like to say this. If you can't receive a touch of God by faith during communion, well, when can you? If you think about it. And we want God to touch us, don't we? We want to leave here in a good way better than we, we came. One of the things I've thought about is that some have said 80%, say that with me, 80%, 80% of the ministry of Jesus involved healing, people being healed. And he heals hearts, he heals minds, he heals spirits, and he heals your body. And so when we receive communion today, I want us, um, and by live stream too, I particularly want those of you who are at home, I want us to believe that Jesus is healing us, whatever it is we have. How many of you with me? Wave at me this morning. Jesus, Jesus is healing, and and he'll heal confusion. I can, I, um, you know, the interesting thing when you're preaching, um, you think you're looking at me, but I'm looking at you, and I can tell. Some of you really need just to open up, take a deep breath. Just take a deep breath. Take it, take it, take a good one. Just relax. But Jesus wants to heal people. One of the things I was thinking about, too, is that um, Donna has two sisters, and her younger sister, Barbara, has been battling cancer. And so as we receive communion today, I'm saying to all of you, and I'm saying to Barbara, receive healing today. Receive healing today. by Just by simple faith, um, your mind doesn't serve you well when it comes to all that about healing and you read the Bible, really, you read the Bible closely, the New Testament, every single person who came to Jesus, he healed. There was not one he turned away. I don't understand how it all works. And I've only been doing this 52 years. And I've only been interested in healing at least 50 of those years or things like that. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to read three verses, of, of maybe four verses of Scripture. Um, here's one thing Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Great word. Here's another one from the Gospel of John. God so loved the world. What did he do? He gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, have, but have eternal life. And then the Apostle Paul said this, This saying is true and worthy of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Anyone out there needs saving today on any level? Anyone out there today? Wave at me if anyone out there needs saving on any level. Listen, as an act of faith, just raise your hand. Humble yourself if you know you have a need. Yeah, just respond, simple response, or maybe a wiggle your big toe, whatever. I want to say that again. This saying is true. That's what Andy was doing this morning. He was affirming what's true. 
And what's true has nothing to do with what you think is true. You don't make it true. You don't diminish it regardless. It's, but when you agree with it, the benefit flows into your being. That's what truth does. It has a power. And agreeing with the truth releases into you the value of that truth. I'm getting to preaching. This saying is true and worthy of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And in um, one of the epistles, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins. That simply means God forgives at every turn. So we're going to receive communion this morning, and we're going to, by faith as we partake, we're going to, we're going to say, Jesus, release your healing to me. Let's say that together. Jesus, release your healing to me. Release it in me. Release it in me, Jesus, as we receive uh, communion here by faith. And I'll read from 1 Corinthians. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. If you want to go ahead and take your communion cups there and your elements. And when he broke it, he said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So let's do that together as we remember the goodness of God. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. So let's do that together. The cup of blessing, the new covenant. So I pray, Father, and I pray again for Barbara Howard, that you would heal her, that the power of your name, Jesus, by the Spirit, you would touch her body. And for everyone in this room, Lord, whatever their need is, they've expressed it. They acknowledged it. Salvation can come to your house today in a tangible, I see the Lord breaking off mindsets. That's part of what Andy was doing earlier. Breaking off illegal mindsets that are trying to bind and restrict your hope and your faith. And I speak now that those things to be broken. Listen, this will happen. I break off of your mind, that darkness, that deception, however it comes, and I release the light of the gospel, which means the great, glad, merry tidings of the extremely happy God. The great, glad tidings of the extraordinarily happy God. How I break off that by the word of the Lord, off of your minds, the renewal of the mind by the power of the Spirit 
who's present with us today. I release that now with all boldness and power in the name of the resurrected Christ. Who felt that? Say something about it. Say yes. Say I receive. Respond. Acknowledge. All so good. Well, listen, folks, great to be here. Thank you for coming. And I pray that um, God would touch everyone who's, even on the live stream, we just welcome you back to church. We're just going to believe God. We're going to do the right thing, but we're not going to back up to the best of our ability because God's good. I pray for the president and the White House over their COVID infection. God, that you would uh, heal and restore and protect Lord, all the candidates from all the parties, all the senators, all that, Lord. You've told us it's our duty to pray for the government. Um, oh, help us, God. You're good. You're good. What if this turns out to be the best years of our lives and we didn't see it coming? Wouldn't that be a shock? Wouldn't that turn around and be amazing? Doesn't that sound like a Jesus message right there when everybody bemoans their fate and suddenly God does. Suddenly, there's a suddenly that comes. And the thing about a suddenly is it comes suddenly and you don't see it till it's coming. And then you're going, oh, what was that? And there you go. So, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.